the expression from the music inspired me so much to take risks and it inspired damn near the whole rap game. Hello again, I'm Adam Unz. You may know me as the host of The Opus, and now I'm bringing my own show, The Spark Parade, to the Consequence Podcast Network. I speak with artists and creatives about the cultural artifacts that spark their personal interest and creativity, whether it's music, books, movies, video games, or any other kind of art. I've never spoke about it in this amount of detail. I'm suddenly going, oh my God, I'm blowing my own mind here, Christ. It's, it's actually a giant part of my life. By talking about the things we love, we share and discover insights into our personality and the things that drive us. It's just magic, really. I mean, frustrating and it makes some people angry, but I don't think anyone's ever done anything like it. I speak with people like Connor Robers, Phoenix's Thomas Mars, Chris Gethard, Helen Hong, Adrian Young, and more, so their sparks of inspiration can start a fire in you. I'm grateful for those who continue to put our history and who we are as a people in the forefront and make you see it. Find the Spark Parade wherever you get your podcasts. Hey pod people, Engineer Adam here, jumping in for a quick second to let you know about the brand new all-in-one platform for all of you creative podcasters out there. Anchor makes it easier than ever to make a podcast. It's free to use and has all the creation tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Plus, Anchor will get your podcast set up on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Even better, Anchor helps you connect with sponsors, even if you're just starting out. It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Back to the show. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to this week's episode of This Must Be The Gig. I am your host, Leo Phillips, and we are proudly presented by Vivid Seats. If you have just tuned in for the first time, what took you so long? Just kidding. Hello, and uh, come and sit on my lap. You are in for a treat. (laughs) And uh, by treat, I mean the Starburst that is probably very old at the bottom of my bag. Just kidding again. You're about to join us for an intimate look at the world of live music. And I must just apologize for the ridiculous preamble. But today's guest, David Byrne, the founding member of the band Talking Heads, was a regular source of joy at a time in my life when feelings like that were a little bit harder to come by than I would have liked. So this podcast is also named after... One of my husband and I's favorite talking head songs, This Must Be The Place. So having this conversation with him is incredibly special. Hello, Adam. Adam's in the studio. Hi. Hi. Engineer Adam here. Engineer Adam. This is such a special moment. I I mean, we talked about this going into the first episode of the show. We talked about this way before we even started the show. Just Dream of Dreams. Yeah. Named the episode after one of the men's songs, thinking... (laughs) You would never. What if, maybe, we'll see, I don't know, I hope. Glad that you were much hopeful than I was. It happened. Yeah, it actually happened. I've been in Barcelona for the last few days for Primavera Sound Music Festival, which is one of my favorite festivals in the world. And I was told that he has a little bit of time after his sound check and before the performance. So I landed. Only, yeah, it was back here in Chicago. <laughs> it was Chicago. back here in Chicago. Oh, yes, maybe I should actually yeah. say where it was. I have no idea where I was. Um, so we landed, dropped bags, 
and just race through to the most beautiful theater in Chicago called the Auditorium Theater. It is one of those that you walk in and it feels like a time capsule, takes you right back. Again, to describe it as special makes me feel like I'm already doing it a disservice because there is so much about his past and his music and his life that has filtered into mine that I almost don't know how to describe it, which is a strange emotion, right? Absolutely. And being perched as I was on the back (laughs) of a chair in a green room in the back of the auditorium theater, monitoring the road gear, let's say, instead of being here in the studio, actually in the room with the man. In the room with the man. He's got this remarkably zen way. He like, like just kind of floated into the room, had this beautiful, gorgeous smile and sat down. But let us not forget who else was in the room. The amazing Annie B. So let's talk a little bit about David. He was born in Scotland and he immigrated first to Canada and then he immigrated to the USA before the age of 10. He started playing in bands while at school. And when art school didn't really work out for him, he founded Talking Heads with a couple of his mates. And according to the internets and the Googles, they played their first gig opening for the Ramones at the legendary New York club CBGBs in June of 1975. And I asked David about this, but he seemed to not remember their first gig, which is fitting considering how focused on the present he is. Eight studio albums later, definitive cracks began to to appear between the band members. And by 1991, Talking Heads had officially split up. So since then, he's really enjoyed an incredible solo career. He's made films and published photography books and composed scores for musicals. He's created some art installations. He's written books like How Music is Made, which is a fantastic, super easy read. The New Sins, that's one of my favorites. The New Sins. It's great to just dive into his entire world because it doesn't end. A defining moment that is really pertinent to mention here is that his current American utopia tour feels very much like when in the late 1983 the band decided to document the Speaking in Tongues tour with the concert film and teamed up with the incredible and late director Jonathan Demme, who obviously won an Oscar for The Silence of the Lambs. And, I mean, let's just talk a little bit about that film. It really is one of the best, I think, one of the best concert films of all time. I don't think you need to say one of the is the I would say so yes I mean the camera work is so fantastic it lingers so you can get to know the musicians a little bit he I think Jonathan's entire skill was to energize and like animate the characters in a way that we got to know them and that happens on the stage show that he's currently doing. Yeah, I mean, we're not the only ones positing that there's a connection between this tour and that tour. It, it makes a lot of sense, especially mm-hmm. once you start to think about costuming and and uh, set design. And this is sort of a reaction to a world that has changed quite a bit. But mm-hmm. there's still a lot of that uh, innate human movement yeah, and connection. definitely humanized them in speaking in tongues. Um, And it humanizes them now even more so. And the film was obviously shot over three different nights in LA. And it was called Stop Making Sense. And it may just be, as we said, the greatest movie of all time. And imagine having that to look back at. It's such an achievement. Byrne walks onto a very empty stage with a boombox. And he puts it down. 
And then he presses play and reimagines Psycho Killer with an 808 drum machine beat and an acoustic guitar. And then each member walks onto the stage one song at a time. And there's that obvious, iconic Bernie Big Suit, which <laughs> we all love. Um, so during this chat, we cover the American Utopia tour and we meet David and his remarkably lovely and talented choreographer. And essentially, she's the show director, Annie B. Parson. We meet them backstage after soundcheck before their third night in Chicago. Annie B., quite an amazing and interesting career herself yeah. as well. If you don't know Annie B. Parson, you absolutely should. She's interpreted Greek plays to choreographing for David Bowie and David Byrne. She's an iconoclast and creates work like nobody else. Outside of Big Dance, which is a theater company that she created, um, she's done choreography for operas, pop stars, television, movies, theater, ballet, and symphonies. And other work that she's worked on, which I know I mentioned a little while ago, was David Byrne's musical Here Lies Love and David Byrne's 2012 world tour with St. Vincent and a marching band. Uh, she also choreographed Burns 2008, Brian Eno Wilter, and created the choreography for St. Vincent's 2014 Wilter. She's an incredibly calming person to even be in the same room with. That was a room of beautiful energy. A beautiful energy. And yes, we sound like a bunch of hippies, but it really was wonderful to have the two of them sitting and going back and forth and chatting about the current tour and how that relates to each of their singular work as well. So here is us talking about life and touring and live music and the beauty of human bodies moving in unison. Enjoy! I'm from South Africa, as you can hear my accent, and a lot of bands don't tour there as often as we'd like them yeah, to. Yeah, I was hoping to get a gig there, hoping to get a show there, but didn't, couldn't manage it. Maybe in the future? Of course, of course. <laughs> they would love you to go. You know, to. everything you do, especially with how you shape your songs, I think that something as eclectic as a culture like South Africa would mm -hmm. really appreciate that. Let's chat about the show. When did you decide to collaborate on this project? <laughs> Do you remember? I think it was before it was there in, was an album. I was in out. London working on a project in June, and I feel like that's when we first started talking about it. Because I can remember being in that hotel room working on dances for da Dance Like This. So, June maybe of last year? Could have been. Could have been. Was I in London or I just got no, in touch with you? No, you got in touch with me. I just emailed you or something. Yeah, maybe. you sent me some songs because I worked. Oh, I remember we've worked working together there. many times before. Yes, so on the on the Broadway when show. It's, yeah. Well, yeah, when it mm -hmm. seemed like okay, this is going to happen. There's going to be an, an album and a tour, etc. Then I yeah reached out to any B and I said, okay, this is the concept on this one, and mm -hmm. so you, you had a concept already. Well, the concept of the empty stage, empty and, stage. The, okay. and the musicians all being mobile. And I said, that's what it is. So it's for a choreographer. I thought, it's got to be a dream show <laughs> for a choreographer because there's just no stuff to work around. Yeah. There's no, like, big <laughs> risers with 
keyboards and drums and everything else that you take up half the stage. Yeah. So you're really those, focusing on the body, the yeah, human body. Yeah, the whole body. show is about the body yeah. and about these human beings in space. Yeah. The whole show is about that. It is phenomenal, I, thought, I have to say. It's one of the best shows I've seen live. Thank you. I, no, I'm, I'm not just trying to gush. It is, as I said, having the characters mobile makes you focus on things that you never thought you would focus on. I think that having the, all the instruments mobile, having the movement of the bodies, it really made you feel like you were in the show as opposed to like just a viewer sitting back. Was that something that you took as a challenge or? I think you're right that it, it's very visceral to see people playing Absolutely. and moving. And so you do feel more part of the show for sure. And you can see people in the audience doing the actions doing the and the dances and, and you've stuff. obviously watched it and I don't know how much you can see from the stage but people were like moving and doing all these dances yeah. which yeah. you'd never see yeah yeah that's, I, that's amazing yeah it was no it, it feels so inevitable to me to have people move and play music the fact that they that's don't yeah. usually that's what seems funny. Strange, yeah. yeah. That they yeah. don't choose. They're to so married. Yeah. You know, organically they're so married that it's sort of just sad that people don't do it more, or they isolate dance as okay. Here's the dancers, dance. and these people are going to dance, and they're going to dance in this particular tradition, That's, and they're yeah. going to dance in this spot. And David, yeah. even the the shows before always is dancing and moving through space, and that has connected those two things. I don't know if you agree with me because obviously I was just on the audience side, but I really do feel that there was consideration for not only the music, but the music with light and the light with the dance. There were so many aspects of that visceral. I love it's that It's very word. integrated. It's all like there was the shadows and the curtain at the back. It was so, can I use the word precise? That's why it felt comfy to just focus on the bodies moving. Integrating the lighting yeah. with the movement and what we were doing that became kind that of another element it became a yeah. very important element yeah. to the to the extent where we go uh, well a couple of times we had to do it without all our lighting but it was just like ah. yeah <laughs> um, because they're part like the concept of each song is mm. completely related to the lighting in fact the first couple of conversations i had with the lighting designer rob sinclair was this idea that i had that the piece would and it's sort of morphed but you know you mm -hmm. always have your like sort of first draft ideas that sort of help to generate new ideas yes. and they're they're more purist than what mm -hmm. actually occurs <laughs> in the end but I had this idea it would be in three acts mm -hmm. and the first act would be in black and white and the second act we would add we would add the black tracks and the third act would be like super colorful it didn't end up that pure, but it was a starting point for us. Mm. And then all the songs, the lighting designer and I worked really closely together on. And we were we were emailing constantly about ideas. About, I don't know how many, four months before, the lighting designer and I and others went to a, a kind of stage in the, out in the countryside and we tested out the, a lot of the lighting just to make sure it worked. There's, we have these suits that have little sensors in them so the lights can follow us. Oh. All these kind of things. We had to test it to see if it worked. I didn't know that. And we shot, we shot video. I just shot phone video of all these <laughs> yeah. different things and then sent that to Annie B and said, listen, here's kind of all the different things that this, what this lighting technology can do. It can follow everybody. It can follow one person and not follow the others. We have this thing where it can, you can make a kind of wall of 
light that moves. You, it just we just kind of itemized all these things, yeah. and then yeah, we could yeah, that. then NEB could start to think about oh, where would what that work? What relates to what song, you know? And it was it's, so it's a whole other element beside the bodies in space, mm. and one of the largest elements obviously is the the box mm. of, that's created by chain. So that was like another sort of wonderful aspect of the show to play with, and it was the initial idea that David mm. showed us. And choreographically, of course, it's amazing because there's so much you can do with it. And the dancers, I, they just work in unison together and give each other space, and everybody gets a chance. They are so talented, those dancers. And I know that you've mentioned before that working with Annie, her choreography is for super talented dancers but also anybody could do it like you mentioned mm. earlier that all the people in the audience were also moving yeah. so how <laughs> how important is that for your music as well to service your music in the way that you would like it to sound and create this show we've worked together before so i think our collaboration is very easy nab works with dancers and trained dancers and non-dancers which is that's what that's what I have, you know, what's in the band. We have trained dancers and we have <laughs> mm -hmm. non-dancers. Yeah. And, and the idea is to kind of integrate that somehow, mm -hmm. which we've done a number of different times. And I like how that looks. It's not like I have a problem with that. Like, I love that combination of seeing people that aren't dancers that have, like, even an awkwardness, like a beautiful awkwardness. Yeah, it's um, mixed with There's stuff in there that is seriously virtuosic that nobody in the audience could even touch. <laughs> yeah. But but well, we, they might try. We just yeah, they might try, and that's great. <laughs> but like, there's this huge range of vocabulary mm. that um, is going on on stage, and it's part of the sort of scale or scope or the humanity of the statement. I think in the end of the day, but mostly just this sense that like everybody can dance. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I think that also not treating your audience as though they can't be involved is something that I think a lot of artists might struggle with as well, is separating you from the audience. Yeah. And mm. I found that your music over the years has always included us. And I think that that translates into this live performance. Can we talk a little bit about the minimalism of the suits, of course, and how that relates to your concept? I think I knew that we're going to have this empty stage with the chain making the kind of defining the, the edges mm. of where, where the space is. And I started thinking about, well, what are we going to wear? And I thought, this is going to be very, very unusual in a certain kind of way. The movement is going to be un not what people maybe expect with a kind mm. of pop music thing. It's, very, it's sometimes very unusual. This music is sometimes kind of unusual, et cetera. So I thought, yes. let's make a contrast to that. Let's all dress in very nice suits so that we look very conservative. And so then you're not really looking at the clothes. Mm. You're not thinking about the clothes at all, except, oh, well, they look nice. <laughs> yeah. And they look very conservative. It's like, it's in a way trying to come close to being nothing uh, and being just very right. conservative as a contrast Mm. to all the other stuff we're doing. And that's mm. with the bare feet also. Yeah. I just thought, uh, the suit with the with big uh, <laughs> office shoes would be too much. Yeah. But with bare the suit with bare feet, it suddenly, 
it suddenly puts a, a kind of human being in touch with the stage. Grounds it. Yeah, yeah. it grounds it and all, and it feels really good. Is it? Yeah, I was going to say, is it super fun to? I love to, it. <laughs> to yeah. run around with bare feet. Yeah, it also speaks directly to dance. Absolutely, the the core of what the foundation of it. Yeah, yeah, feeling everything from the foundation. Yeah, of, absolutely. Did you consider where you were going to tour the the spaces as well, or because I know that you obviously did Coachella, so you've done like huge festival stage and you've done these beautiful theaters so did you consider that in terms of the performance yes uh it's a bit of a challenge i knew we wanted something to define the stage to mm. define the box that we perform within and at first i thought oh we could do it with a scrim or a curtain or something like that and then i realized if we do festivals if mm. we do outdoor festivals if there's any wind then it starts to move, mm. and you have to basically take it down because it's unsafe. So I discovered, with some help, so that people said, oh, there's this very lightweight, thin chain you can use, and the wind goes right through it. Oh, wow. Which it does. Yeah. The wind make, makes it go like that, and Which is probably nothing, even nicer. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. Nothing <laughs> happens. So we thought, okay, that means we can do both things. The problem is sometimes in the festivals you're mm. playing at – five o'clock or six o'clock and it's you don't get Not the whole lighting light, yeah. but we did it at Coachella we did it at the jazz fest in New Orleans was the hardest of all because we were it was broad daylight it was almost oh, no. no lights and the stage oh. was just plywood I'm so happy oh, no. I didn't see that oh my god <laughs> they loved it they loved it I'm sure. they had never seen usually it I mean it's a wonderful festival, but yeah. people usually just come out and play and don't oh. do anything else. Mm -hmm. And they'd never seen a show where all this other stuff is going on. Yeah. So, yes. Then we went through, and mm -hmm. every time there was an offer for a show, we had to look at it and go, can, we put, our, yeah. can we put our thing? The we thing should. expands and contracts. But only so much. Oh, I love if it, it so much. I'm just thinking when they peek through. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's... For instance, some theaters have what's called a thrust stage, where okay. the stage is a big kind of circle it's going. It's like an apron in the front. Go, oh, it goes right. out in yes. front to the okay. audience. Um, those those kind of theaters we can't do at all. We need one where it's it's like a very traditional box. Mm. This is your third night here in Chicago, mm -hmm. and how has that felt to be in one spot with this particular show? Oh, boy, you, it's you're great. used to being mobile. <laughs> yeah. It's really I'm great, sure. and we've taken the opportunity to work on the show since it's. In one spot. Oh, really? Yeah. In what way? We've been in rehearsal. Oh. Um, to add, we've added some movement and yeah. done some polishing because we have a little extra time while people are not in transit. Yeah, yeah, not moving around. Yeah. And in terms of the mobile instruments and things like that, because I've never, I know we mentioned it slightly earlier, but I've never seen, I've obviously seen in a marching band but I've never seen the entire performance from start to finish completely mobile. Mm -hmm. How it comes out at the end, is that how you envisioned it? Or did you have other ideas? No, this was, exactly this is how I envisioned it. Yeah. There were some things that we had to uh, adapt. <laughs> I, I imagined, and I think Annie B might have thought this too, mm. that the drummers would come out with all kinds of things like in front of them and would never have to go and change oh, yeah. instruments. Um, so when they said, oh no, I play a different drum on this song, I have to go I have to go out and put a different one on. We were like, 
Oh. oh. We had to choreograph all the drum changes through between each song. That that was that was a lot. Was a challenge. Yeah. So how long in in total did it take to rehearse? And <laughs> it was very well, fast. Actually, the yeah. I mean, I was working. I've been working on it all basically all year. Wow. But on my own. But um, we only had a couple weeks of rehearsal. Is that right? Three. We had a month, but it was like a couple. Some of it was just music. Yeah. But also the musicians rehearsed for themselves. Yeah. They learned mm -hmm. things ahead of time. Yeah. Um, Annie B came in with ideas. Yeah. Also, so it wasn't just oh let's. Yeah, we've this. had a lot of meetings before, but you know it is kind of a minor miracle that we got it together yeah. that fast. Yeah. I would say. But is that how you like to collaborate? Usually, is to b bring a certain idea and concept, and then obviously have people stretch it and mold it. Yes. Yeah, I like that to be. This one, I, I'm so happy with this one because mm. I think the best is when it's a, a very, very simple idea and you can say it in one sentence. Mm -hmm. Empty stage, yeah. everyone's mobile. That's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't. But if you think of what you've done, that is <laughs> yes. totally, completely it's different. Very, very hard <laughs> so, to do. Very, very so hard, hard to do. To do. Yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah, it's a hundred minutes of movement, basically. <laughs> How did you make sure that the choreography matched the tone of the music? Also, I know that that's what you consider as a choreographer, yeah. but well, how I mean, do you... you it's, it's really interesting you mentioned the word tone, because mm. I feel like when I f first hear the music, then I spend time on my own with the music and sort of thinking about a number of things, some of them just, what is the scale of this song? Mm. Is it intimate? Is it large scale? Is What's the proximity of bodies in space? Is it still, does it have a lot of motion in it? Does mm. it have any dance in it at all? Should it, does it feel like something like Naive Melody always has felt very two-dimensional to me, mm. whereas like Born Under Punches feels really dimensional, really deep and dark. Mm. So like those first broad strokes of, or do I have an idea of a dance right now? I mean, some of them were just so clear to me, like wow. I asked David right away when I heard dance like this, could we have a silent break in the middle mm. where they dance without the sound. Um, I had that thought right away. And, you know, certain songs I don't get so quick, mm. but there's a whole bunch of them when I heard the new album and and also the songs that, you, the old songs that you wanted to do, some of which I had already choreographed, but okay. many that I hadn't. Yeah. Um, I'm listening for like, how, 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 what does it look like? Like I'm imagining, what does mm. it look like? Where are people in space? Are they close together? Are they far apart? You know, things like that. I love that. Is you the movement up, tiny? Yeah, I, lo I love you know. that you brought up that you consider that whole picture because obviously the set list isn't just this album. You're bringing in yeah. songs that you know people have yeah. grown up listening to, and they have such a deep personal connection. I mean, people were crying around us as well. Tell me a little bit about the experience of touring nonstop. I think you're on 80, is it 80 tours in total? 80 I don't, shows? I, I don't, don't know. know. We're, going, uh, we're going until October or November. Yes. We started in March. It's, it's pretty long for me or to go a whole stretch like that. To go a whole like stretch. That. But um, we sort of can't afford to, we can take small breaks, but we can't yeah. afford to take like two months off people would take other jobs they would yeah. have to and then we'd really be screwed we'd have yeah. to like train somebody again they'd have to learn everything again even the crew people oh. have learned <laughs> they've <laughs> learned when <laughs> things happen and how to take care of the chain and mm. well you know all these little details anyway uh it's a lot uh i'm used to it i've done it before um 
Does it feel different now? It, just in the scope of, because I know you do the Janelle Monet uh, cover, which is fantastic as well, and it fits so perfectly into the set list, which is uh, really interesting. But how does it feel performing this particular stretch of tour at this particular moment in the world with everything going on? How do you feel oh. it resonates with you? This, uh, some of the songs and the performance and our presence on stage, I think a lot of it speaks to uh, the times we live in right mm. now. I mean, that song in a very obvious way. But other, other ones, it's just who we are on stage mm. doing this. Uh, some of the songs, Bullet, and mm. some of the other ones, they, they have a res... They have, Kind of meaning a greater meaning in the in the world and what's going on. They don't, and not in super obvious ways, but mm. but it's there. Yeah. When you are watching a performance and a concert, what what was your first concert? What my was the first, first concert, ever concert for me? Yeah. Uh, that you saw. My dad took me to see Ravi Shankar. <gasps> is that cool? That's so cool. <laughs> is that cool? <laughs> That's amazing. Like, no, you are saying, is that cool? Yes. We're all like. <gasps> <laughs> That's cool. Uh, so, so I remember. I mean, music is is wonderful, but I remember like there was a big, you know, big carpet on the stage and flowers, oh, yeah. things like that. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like amplifiers and stuff like that. It was uh, a carpet and maybe some pillows uh, and and some flowers around the edge. And I thought, oh. That's what. That's how they make the stage for this this kind of show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, do, you, do you remember how old you were at the time? Oh, when you saw? Oh, I was probably about, you know, thirteen, oh, fourteen, wow. something like that. You know. Did you know that that was it? Was that when you saw that? Oh, it was. It was. Did you know uh, that you wanted to do that? Yes. Yes. I mean. Immediately. Yeah, it was a cool thing to do. Um, yeah. Just perform. To oh no, for me to perform. Yeah. Um, yeah, I started performing at an early age. I was mm. very, very shy, but I would also perform. Mm. And for a lot of people, that seems like a contradiction. But for me, it was a way to communicate. It was a, manic, a way to announce my, my being, my, mm. my, that I, yeah. here I am. Um, but then as soon as I, I finished that. performing, I would go back in the corner <laughs> and not talk to anyone. How did you get out of that? I think music helped me. Music and performing helped me. What yeah. was your first ever performance that you did? I, no, I don't know which was the first. I used to perform in, uh, coffee, they were called coffee houses, mm. and they, were, um, they didn't serve liquor. And they often had folk singers. And I think I went in, would go in with a, maybe a guitar, but it was usually a ukulele, and, mm -hmm. a, and then sometimes a violin. I had a violin, and I played... Um, Sometimes rock songs on the ukulele and other things on the violin. It was terrible. And I mean, something else. It might have been a guitar as well, but uh, yeah. And it, it, so it was a performance. It, yeah, it was playing with their expectations of this folk crowd, too, yeah. who did not expect that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, then I'm very then shy. Go back. Then I go back. Oh, I'm not talking. Yeah. What do you feel is the most positive thing that 
you as an artist are continuing to to see and feel in the music industry or just within your own art? Oh, well, I don't know anything specific. I forget everything, but uh, (laughs) there's loads of things on my my various playlists that I make for myself. this, yeah, there's loads of music that I love. Right? And a lot of some of it's old, some of it's contemporary. Mm. Um, sometimes somebody in the band will recommend something, and go, and I'll go, oh, God, check that out. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. Yeah. I don't know how it works because God knows how they make any money, uh, how they survive. Touring. Some Touring of them, but you have to. Yes, yes, but you have to get to a certain to level, to, exactly, a certain to level to be able to do that. Tour. Yeah. 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 Do you, is there a favorite country that you've been to that you would love? I know we just chatted about South Africa earlier, which I will shout out to South Africa. Hopefully we'll get you there one day. But is there a place that you felt really connected to the fans, connected to performing there? Uh, I can't think of anywhere special. No. Chicago. Here, Chicago. Chicago audiences, you'll see, I think, very vocal. Yeah. Do you like that they are sitting? Did you want seated, a seated venue, and then obviously you'll have people standing up, or did you ever think of considering a venue maybe where people are standing? A, a little bit. I mean, obviously in the festivals they're standing. Yeah. But um, I had a feeling that they might, I had a feeling they might dance. Uh, but you never know what's going to happen. Mm. But I did want, I wanted them to be nice places so that when they come, they, they're going to have a nice evening out. Yeah. And they're they're gonna, yeah. They they are treated with respect. Um, it encourages them to respect the whole performance mm. because it's a nice place. And then I found that it's very nice. The the theaters allow people to dance now. Years ago they would make them all sit down. No, Wait. you sit down. <laughs> and now they let they let them dance. Well, they can't stop them by the no, second or third they song. They can't stop them. I mean, people were just up. I think as soon as you got on, well, maybe after the brain scene, yeah. then people started because they wanted to focus on that, which I love. But I know that we have to wrap up soon. So I think for me, what I'm wondering is what is the most ambitious thing that you still have left to do? Is there anything that you, I don't know if that, is that a weird question to ask? Uh, no, no, no. It's, it's, I do one thing at a time. I've been working on a kind of science theater project but that's that's fairly ambitious but Mm. that's eh, going along a little tiny tiny bit by tiny bit um this this show was very ambitious this show to to get the technology and Mm. the time and the number of musicians and the money to make it all work out yeah you should talk to anybody about how the movement worked i did definitely yeah yeah because it's really integral to how this this works do you absolutely love performing every night is it still something that makes yeah you yeah feel... you can't tell you can tell like that. you can tell oh yeah <laughs> it looks so joyous immediately and again we'll say the barefoot thing it's straight away you're like oh you are having the most fun possible uh-huh. you know i like the word ambitious because in terms of having the light senses how much did that affect your ideas in terms of the choreography in knowing that you have to make sure that all of those technical things were working the way that those sensors work is that they're almost like follow spots so we selectively chose places where we would use like whatever 
image that we wanted that they could do. Mm. So we, we picked like four or five um, different ideas that they can do. And then I figured out which songs those ideas related to, okay. if that makes sense. Absolutely. It's a little hard to describe because, yeah. yes, it's very, very technical, but they don't relate to every song. Mm. Or we use them just as a regular old follow spot for David, mm. you know, in, and then that can be just like, it's his follow spot. Mm. But then they can also do all these cool tricks. That was just part of the menu of things that I had po could possibly apply to each song. So each song has a concept. So like yeah. the chain, when I first saw the chain, I thought my very first idea was I want to bisect bodies. Mm. So I want to see a guitar on the outside of the chain, but the body on the other <laughs> the side body. of the chain. I want to see a drum on the outside of the chain, but the body, you know, just see the arms. I want to see legs sticking through or, you know. So that was, that belongs to one song, mm. that idea. How they would come through the chain, how the chain would sort of help to frame songs, things like that. That was another element that I could use. You know, it's like each project has certain sort of a menu of elements and the black tracks, the lighting with the sensors was one of the really cool elements. I mean, very Absolutely. few people are using that yet. I know, I, I, I yeah, don't well, when I've you watch the show tonight, you're really going to notice um, yeah, the way I've, that I mean, they animate certain songs. I think when I was watching it, I was so blown away, to be honest. The first time you ever watch a show, you you know, you're not really looking for the technical side of things, yeah, which no. I think is just owed it. to you as well. Yeah. Because as a critic, once you start looking at technical things, that means that your mind is going away from the feeling. Yeah. I just noticed that it was just all working so precisely together. Yeah. I mean, the two, like, as you watch it tonight, you'll see, mm. like, two of the really, really gorgeous things they do is in Once in a Lifetime and... Um, dancing together and yeah those those two songs they do some really amazing things new things yeah oh, and yeah I'm excited yeah planning something like this where you know it's going to be received by fans of such an iconic yeah. artist yeah and also working with him previously yes I know that on paper those two things are so, so different but what how did this push you really to a place that you oh. feel I'm really doing what I love, this is exactly where I need to be, you know, because every project I'm sure speaks to a different part of you, your heart. Yeah. I mean, you see, I've worked with David so much. I've done a t three of his touring shows mm. beside the play um, and then little things here and there. And so musically, there isn't really any leaping for me mm. to find what the tone is, you know, where I think he's being ironic, where I think he's being earnest, what I need to bring out in the song. That comes very naturally to me with his music. Mm. I've also been listening to his music since I was in college. Oh, you I have? I was just such a gigantic fan. You know, the world, I feel like, is divided between the Talking Heads fans and the Bowie fans. <laughs> and I was a Talking Heads fan. Can you be both? Well, now I am. Now you because are. Because I worked yeah. with Bowie. Oh, um, you did? Yeah, a few years ago. Incredible. So... Yeah, I'm totally both. But, um, and they're so different choreographically, I can't even tell you. But I can say Did Bowie that, come to you with a, a concept? Or? No, I was part of a play that he, a uh, musical that he yes. did called Lazarus. Okay, Lazarus, yeah. yes. So, Fantastic. But I don't know how to choreograph him the way I know how to choreograph David because David's work is in my bones. I mean, I, I'm telling you, it's like... His music is like family to me. I can't really even tell you how natural it feels for me to choreograph to him. 
in fact, I feel like a lot of times when I'm choreographing to other people, it's I have to turn off my David channel, <laughs> you know? I just David go like... David channel, that's amazing. Because <laughs> it's very much yeah. a part of who I am as a choreographer. But in terms of the, this particular project and stuff, I mean, it's not... It's, it's a larger scale and it's mm. more de- it was a more demanding project because of the length of it and the depth of what he was trying to do. Mm. But I didn't really notice that when I was doing it. It just seemed like we were doing Natural. more more songs mm. and yeah, more you know, in, in this other framework. But I loved what he brought me as the initial ideas. And the seeds of this piece were so strong. And I said to him, when I first saw the box, I was like, oh, so this is your Dia Beacon piece. So do you know Dia Beacon? Yeah, yeah. the museum. Yeah, so it's like, like your 70s minimalism, blah, blah. It's white box. True. And it's he was like, true. well, he said, I guess, but a warmer version of that. Mm. And then I came to see what exactly what he meant. Because when I first saw the, the suits and the box, the cleanliness of the floor, the lack of cords, mm. Um, it seemed that's thank you for bringing that up because I would have nearly forgotten that the lack of chords I think yeah. like having chords an artist has to wield it like Karen O from yeah years you know she's like yeah. throwing it like a lasso yeah. but if you don't know how to move around it it can seem awkward and yeah. stunted and the fact that yeah that's such a good and it point. just There's reminds no me that one of my ideas that I didn't get to do was yeah. I wanted to bring in a hot pink cord and have one song. It would have been a prop. Just have one song where yeah. he was on a chord. So you, you can, you're reminded of the lack of. Of the lack yeah. of. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But anyway. Maybe no, the it, next one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you've got all these ideas. Also, in terms of the dancers, had you worked with these, this particular group of dancers yes. before? Because they of them. are. Some of them. But you, you're including the band as dancers? Yes. Oh, okay. No. Yeah. No, okay. I had only worked with one person okay yeah but that person is very central because they have a lot of my dance material in their body and they're the dance captain chris jeremo okay so and everybody else i had not worked with is he the one paired with the woman yeah i I had my eye on him yeah he's amazing remember i mentioned to you i had my eye on him both of them are electric did you also consider how David became part of that world as opposed to just having him only in the spotlight? Oh, absolutely. All the time? Oh, my gosh. Of course. Yeah. I mean, that's part of his aesthetic. He doesn't want to be separated. He's very non hierarchical in many ways mm. and musically and in aesthetically. And, but it's also part of, I feel like, the postmodern aesthetic mm. is that all elements are equally important. Um, that you don't just say, okay, you know, the story is the most important thing or, you know, the electric guitar is the most important instrument yeah. or, you know, there's always these hierarchies in all art forms that are just sort of given and people don't really pay attention to, but they mm-hmm. just accept. And he really throws them up in the air. And um, I feel like when I, when I think about placing him in space, you don't deal with him the way you deal with other lead musicians because he wants to be part of the group. I, on Mm. this, pulled him out of the group as much as possible because I'm so wanting him to have the solo persona as well. Yeah, it's important just because his voice is so recognizable and it's so strong as well. Well, that was already there in the music, but I mean physically. Physically. Yeah, I pulled him him out out a a little bit. But you did see, like, he does shuffle back and get into Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Did you ever have to say, like, nope? Oh, yeah, yeah, all the time, all the time. And you don't mind saying you've got to do what... Oh, no, 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 he wants that. 
people want to have they want to have direction and if he doesn't like an idea um I assume he would tell me mm. you know I mean I try to make that really clear mm. you know it's his show you just have that it's his show yeah, yeah. What's so next for you? Um, oh, gosh. No, I, I, I I'm going to London, to... actually, with one ah. of my shows in Berlin. With, I have a dance company called okay. Big Dance Theater. Oh, wonderful. And, yeah, so I'm working on that. When do you go? Um, we go to Berlin in August mm. and London in, uh, to the Old Vic okay. um, in September. That's an amazing yeah. venue. It's very wow. exciting. I know. Gosh. I love that theater I love so that much. theater. What did I see there? I used to live in London for, like, two years. Yeah. That's amazing it's space. It's amazing, yeah. Well, um, where can people find information? Oh, um, Big Dance Theater Great. is my name of my company, and that's the website. Yeah. Wonderful. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, yeah. and for giving us. This Must Be The Gig is produced by Adam Kibble, and we'd like to thank Billy Yost and the kickback for our theme song, Rube and buy their music at thekickbackband.com. Lexi Frame for the artwork, Daniel Brater and Dean Berger for the additional sound design, and the Consequence Podcast Network, where you'll find a bunch of other amazing shows. listened this far why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on apple podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too for information on new episodes be sure to follow us on facebook twitter or instagram at tmbtgpod and generally just irritate everyone you know about the show thanks again and i miss you already Consequence Podcast Network.